Hi there, this is the Up HR Podcast, where we share best practices in HR, how we have been doing things different, answering your burning HR questions, and not forgetting some fun entertainment like HR Horror Stories. Today's episode will be the last part of the recorded webinar hosted by Natalie, who is in the customer success team at All HR. She's here to speak to the CEO of AXA Afin Life Insurance, Rohit Nambir, on how to protect oneself and to plan for the future. In this episode, Rohit will be covering topics such as how SMEs can get started in adopting digital solutions and some insights as to what new business risks that insurance companies are now covering. So stay tuned and without further ado, let's get started. So you mentioned about like the basic protection that they should at least get, right? Um, I think we have a uh, audience here asking about like whether, okay, um, from Isa. Um, so she asked, like, if my company has provided insurance coverage already, is it a good idea to get personal insurance as well? Great question. Um, it depends on how much your company has covered you. That's why I said you need to assess what is the coverage you have. Sometimes companies only cover like 20,000, for example. You need to ask yourself, is 20,000 enough or do you want to top up? There are products available in the market that are very cheap which is called a top-up insurance, which is an insurance that only kicks in after you use your company's coverage. Those products are very cheap because they are low risk for the insurers because they are on top of an insurance product. But um, again, I would say assess what is your coverage, assess what is your exposure, and then make an educated feel on whether you are covered enough or not. Some companies may cover you well enough, and you are right to say that you don't need the coverage. But remember, tomorrow, if you are, don't have a job or you, re, or you retire or you resign or whatever reasons, um, especially as you get older, your premiums go through the rocket, uh, sky. Um, you will not be covered for many things as you get older. Uh, you'll have a lot of exclusion. Your premiums are definitely much cheaper. So it always helps to buy insurance at a young age. Um, uh, you can save significant and your premiums are significantly mm, Alright, thanks Isa for that question I, I think like maybe a lot of millennials uh, when we think about like insurance um, we, we see it as like a burden in fact I see like recently um, the EM the association also they just launched like a campaign called like Gun Extra um, basically to I think change the mindset of like seeing this not as like an extra burden, but it's like at the, at the very least a basic protection. So can, can you maybe like advise further, you know, like to, to uh, young people like us, um, like how, how we should see this uh, um, not, not as an extra burden? See, it is an extra burden if you buy expensive products. Um, someone who's earning, for example, oh. 3,000 ringgit mm-hmm. cannot afford to buy an insurance which is 300, 400 ringgit a month. The right. minute that happens and you're forced to buy it, after a few months, you stop buying, you stop paying for it. That is why, for example, our philosophy in AXA has been all our products should be uh, priced at a mobile postpaid recharge or a prepaid recharge because the telco language is something consumers are very very familiar with. So, for example, we have a health insurance product which is not more than 50 ringgit a month, mostly, in some exceptions, of course. Uh, suddenly, 50 ringgit a month doesn't pinch you. It, it's two grab drives for you. So, it's it's different. We have a health, we have a life protection product which is maximum 10 to 20 ringgit. 
if you buy the basic coverage per month. So again, it's cheaper. And then as they get rich, you know, older, richer, then they can obviously look at more complex financial products. But at the simple first millennium level, I would say your three most important or four most important products for you to think of is buy a travel insurance, obviously, do not travel exposed. Um, motor insurance, you absolutely need to cover the vehicle you are driving. Most of us do, unless you belong to the new generation, which doesn't want to own a motor car. Um, the third one is um, health, and the fourth one is your life protection. All right. Um, um, I I think like so like one topic right it's that we undeniably we're already in the midst of pandemic. So we right now speaking on millennials. So David has this question. Um, he actually asked that my workforce is mainly millennials. So do we need to provide extra coverage for COVID-related matters for employees? It's a it's a great question, David. Um, check with your insurer. Uh, for example, on the life side, um, we have made a statement on behalf of the association that our products do cover COVID um, as an industry. So if you are giving coverage to employees, it will cover COVID. But I would always say check with your provider because things may change from time to time. Life coverage will definitely cover COVID. Health, mm -hmm. you will need to check because things change. There are some specific offers being launched for COVID. Um, we could look at those. But for me, those bite-sized insurance products are more for people who don't have the basic health coverage. So if you do have a basic health coverage, it should cover COVID. Hmm. Okay. So um, how about like some SMEs that, you know, because it's already financially tight, right? then they won't be able to provide, you know, medical protection to their employees as, as good as the big corporation. So do you have any other solutions where they can at least, you know, protect their employees while being better, while managing their finance? So that's why I would say don't, you know, at that. See, there are two things, right? One is how much coverage you should have, which is how insurers typically teach. Yeah. The second one is how much you can afford. Mm -hmm. um, how much you coverage you need may not be able to be bought by everyone because they can't afford it. And how much can you afford is a different conversation. And that's why we do have digital products that consumer can come online and buy directly from us at 40 ringgit, 50 ringgit uh, a month. So the mm -hmm. idea is the idea of creating such products is to at least give consumers a basic level of coverage. So companies who can't afford, I would encourage you to relook at your products. Are you buying uh, traditional products at uh, uh, traditional prices? Are there other ways in which you can buy cheaper solutions in the market? And as you require more complex solutions, obviously you can go to the traditional models of distribution. Okay. Um, we still have 15 minutes left. Then maybe sure. um, we touch on the last topic more on like digitalization and also digital solution um, and uh, yeah so we have a question earlier by Sean um, he actually asked like where would you say the focus will be for companies who is only now realizing that solutions is playing a big part in survival where to start um, I would say um, this is probably I, I would probably give a very generic answer because it's a generic question because each company will have their own problem 
Right. I would say go back to the basics. The first one is what is your vision? What's your compass? Where are you going to be um, X years from now? Where do you see yourself? That will help define your strategy for your company. That will help define what are the actions you want to prioritize for the company. And when you know where you want to prioritize, that will also define where do you want to put your resources. That priority of solutions is a function of where you are as an organization. I can tell you most companies during the pandemic prioritize actions around how to um, converse with the customer digitally. So we had more people having digital front ends, buying solutions being launched, updating their contact center telephony um, so that they can contact the customer. But I think there is a second way which has started a few years back, which is automating more of the back end to remove, um, um, you know, what I call manual processes and cost out of the company. So that's clearly another area that many companies would focus on. Depending on which space you are and where you are strong and where your weakness is, you right. would probably decide to pivot accordingly. Right. I think it's the same, like even for our product or HR, right? So it's an HR solution app. Um, we've seen like companies, you know, onboarded because they want to get rid of like having so many manual work that the HR has to go through, but want to focus more on like employee engagement. Um, so when they look at the modules, right, they see, oh, there are highlights, there are news where you can at least highlight certain things, uh, uh, announcements to the employees uh, instead of just like the normal, uh, the day-to-day the -day HR uh, work so we, we can also see like the shift here like people are not just looking at the very traditional way of like running stuff right um, so yeah um then in, in that case right like um when when it comes to uh this digital transformation that the companies you know have to adopt um what 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 are your views on um that you know like especially for small companies um that they can actually scale up and, and really adopt it you know fast enough so i think uh for digital um uh, you know many times i hear these solutions that uh, my ceo decided to set up an innovation center uh we have now a chief digital officer chief transformation officer chief innovation officer um, personally, I'm not a fan of any of those uh, because uh, I've, been a chief, I've been a chief transformation officer previously, and I can tell you, yeah. it's the most um, it's the most ridiculous role one can have because essentially the CEO is mm -hmm. saying, I don't know how to transform. You go and figure out how to transform, <laughs> and you speak to the different people, and you become. It's like telling me. Um, that I should have a chief electricity officer in my office, the same way, how can there be a chief digital officer? Digital has to permeate right through the organization. There has to be digital in HR, there has to be digital in IT, there has to be digital in finance, digital in operations, digital in every stem of the company. And, and for every leader has to think of business as usual, and transformation. It's very important as today's leaders to take a vote. So to your question on digitalization, I think the first thing is the CEO has to own up to the digital transformation, no one else. It's mm. his agenda, his or her agenda. 
Right. And the tone from the top has to be there. The second one is we have to have a culture of failing, testing, and learning. I have failed more times in the last five years than I've ever failed before. Um, and I've all people talk about the success, but I've had so many failures beyond the success. So it's very, very important for digital transformation to be able to embrace the new world. You will fail more times than you succeed. The, the, and the third one is your KPIs need to be digital specific. For example, many times I see in insurance, you put KPIs like my sales increase, my profit increase. No, these are financial KPIs. Those are KPIs that will improve somewhere in the future, not today. The KPIs, for example, in AXA, we had for my chief operating officer, the KPI I gave is zero paper by the end of this year. She achieved it in July already. So we don't have any paper in any customer interaction now. Mm -hmm. A KPI I gave my um, e-commerce team was you cannot take more than five minutes to buy an insurance product on our website. So we used to switch on the timer and check if it takes more than five minutes. So you need to be very, have very simple KPIs that people can understand and people can contribute. The last one is you need to have the right people for, for this strategy to work. Um, you can't just say, I have people and now they are going to. You cannot, you need experts to come in. And for insurance industry, I'm a big believer that we need more people outside of the industry um, at this point in time, because what is the starting point for insurance? Insurance is a boring industry, according to mm -hmm. millennials. It's one of the least preferred industry for most people who work in. The reason is history has made it boring. But today, insurance is one of the most rapidly transforming industry, more faster rapidly transforming than any other industry I can think of because we've been a laggard for too many years. So mm -hmm. we have to invest to survive, otherwise we will die. Today, if you look at our company, we have everything from digital to front-end systems to customer portals to cloud to um, robotics process automation to chatbot. We have it all. So it's, it's a completely new world. And we need to embrace, get them on, build the right culture, and that's the way to get the strategy right. Yeah, there's no silver bullet. There's no silver bullet. Right. I, I think it's interesting to see how you know AXA um, actually digitize a significant part of your like daily process. And I, I think it's very realistic to put you know such KPIs because um, like I I think I've encountered companies where um, that or oh, they want instant results. Once I adopt this digital solution, I want it to, you know, um, start generating revenue, right? So, um, like, what do you think about like this, this, this mindset? Like, it seems that, like, what you said just now, like, some owner they are not only up, but they're just like, okay, um, I think we need to change, but they don't really have an idea of like what specific areas they want to change, right? So, can you advise, like, um, um, give advice, you know, to those owners on like how they should plan and communicate maybe even with their teams to actually get things rolling. So that's why I, I said I, I believe in the concept of lead KPIs over lag KPIs. Financial KPIs are lag KPI. It takes time for financials to flow through to the bottom line, top line, etc. So if we have lead KPIs, then we can give the board as well mm -hmm. as the management, as well as the owners and the you know senior leadership teams a certain level of 
comfort that we are going down the right path. Uh, for example, our customer satisfaction scores are improving. Customers are buying more for, from us. Customers are staying longer with us. These are good trends to show we are going in the right direction. Amazon is mm-hmm. always a prime example for me. For the first 10 years, they never reported profits, not because they couldn't, because they didn't want to, because they were reinvesting invest, investing in the business, because their conversation was different. Their conversation was, I'm acquiring more customers. Customers are staying longer with my company. Customers are buying more from me. My brand mm-hmm. equity and my you know, CX scores are going up. Right. So I'm building the right platform and an ecosystem wherein the customer will, I will be able to make more money out of the customer. So mm-hmm. I think that's where, to your point, if owners don't understand that concept, right. they will not be able to do digital. As simple as that. So um, digital 101 is, um, you know, it, it's, it's sometimes bizarre because I was giving this example in many of our insurance companies, mm. our traditional models of distribution like agency takes anywhere between 13 to 15 years to break even. 13 to 15 years to break even because insurance is a very long tail industry in mm. life insurance. And in digital, um, you are within uh three months asking for results uh when your traditional industry took 13 and 15 years to break even so it's 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 the mindset that has to change yeah i I think like such digitalization has been such a fast word you know like this year and everyone just want to join the bandwagon without really knowing what they they want right um right um we still have five minutes. If we still have any more questions, um, um, please do drop them. Maybe you can answer like one more question. So let me ask you a question. What? How do you plan your finances? What do you do? Oh, I, I think like most importantly is to review, <laughs> review like my expenses. Because um, like what I do is that I, I really record down like what, what I, I spend. And from there, I know like what kind of budget that I will need like each month. Good. So then I will also budget for my investment as well. So then, but for the investment, it's more of like, like what you mentioned about like different levels. Um, when I'm comfortable with this, then I'll move on to the more risk-taking level. So, yeah. Good, Good to hear. <laughs> Thanks. Do we still have questions? Okay. Um, all right. Maybe, I, I guess, like, um, since we don't have any more questions coming in, um, I, okay, maybe just one last question, um, uh, Rohit. Um, anything you can share to inspire and encourage, you know, many entre- entrepreneurs out there to find opportunities despite the challenges facing? Oh, we have one question. Can we take that? Sure. Okay, so um, Justin asked, what are the new business risks that insurance companies previously did not cover, but now have started providing or are considering providing? Well, <laughs> I can tell you insurance companies ourselves have a lot of risks which we are exposed to. I don't yeah. know if you've seen the articles, um, some of the reinsurers won't be covering pandemic. Reinsurers are insurers who cover insurers uh, because we also need backups. Um, mm. So um, there are exposures that we have as well. But to your question, the new risk, I think, um, which has been there for some time, but cybersecurity is one that is high on the agenda. 
um, uh, a lot of people are looking at cyber insurance uh, coverage. Um, I would urge uh, a lot of the organizations to look at it as well. Um, the other one we are seeing uh, more of is people are now more keen on buying bite-sized insurance products versus mm -hmm. comprehensive, huge coverages. So yeah. um, the reason is it's cheaper, it's easier to be delivered to telcos like PGE or to, you know, e-wallet stuff like that. Um, so uh, there are new risks that are emerging. Uh, the other new risk uh, that's obviously emerging is climate risk. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, how are you covered for climate risk, uh, be it flood, uh, be it, um, you know, uh, earthquakes, storms, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, many of your motor policies, you can add uh, flood as an add-on. And I can tell you very few people add it. And in Malaysia, for example, flood is very common. So you should think of it. Um, so, uh, you know, that's the, so the same way, I think, always um, speak to your advisor or go to the websites and really do your research before buying your products. Because many of these risks are actually covered, but people never bought it. Um, unfortunately, insurance is, a, is an industry which thrives on unforeseen circumstances. Yeah. When there were floods in, in Thailand in 2011, the industry boomed because suddenly many people realized their house insurance doesn't, they didn't have house insurance and they were not covered for flood. Yeah. Um, same thing with the pandemic now. I'm expecting yeah. next year to be an exceptionally good year for yeah. insurers because more and more people would buy health insurance. Um, so I'm just, you know, it's it's the way the industry works. Unfortunately, uh, people people's awareness happens when an unforeseen circumstance comes through. So um, clearly, there will be more people covering the risk. Just to finish off on your question on what advice would I give to SMEs, so I can quickly just spend thirty seconds on that. Um, what advice would I spend to SME? Listen to your customer. I think you speak to any uh, angel or any private equity or anybody because I'm a small angel in my own regard. Um, uh, I invest, uh, and, and one of the things I always say is look at the customer problem. Is that a real problem? How scalable is that problem? And how can I be different to others in the market? And is there a certain level of either entry barrier or differentiation that I can create which gives you a head move over the others? Uh, some of the aspects we look at for SMEs when they look at new problems and new solutions. And with that, we conclude the last part of how to protect oneself and to plan for the future. If you're interested to catch more of these types of content, do keep a lookout for our future episodes.